Hello and welcome to 100 Campaigns That Changed the World. It's the podcast that looks at the hidden side of campaigning um, and what makes successful campaigns work. I'm talking today to Hugo Tagholm, who's the uh, chief executive of Surfers Against Sewage. Now, Hugo has a long history of campaigning on uh, issues around water quality and pollution and he is a surfer himself. Um, he has been leading the campaign, which we're looking at today, about water quality in the UK, particularly on beaches, around inland waters and in rivers. And that uh, campaign has led to some successes in the recent Environment Bill in the UK, which um, has increased the surveillance of of water increase the amount that uh, water companies um, are held to account for the raw sewage that they seem to be increasingly putting into our rivers and our uh, coastal areas so I'll, i'll i'll leave it there but here is hugo and um surfers against sewage um Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to 100 Campaigns That Changed the World. I'm Steve Tibbet and I'm here with Hugo Tagholm from Surfers Against Sewage. And we are talking about um, the End Sewage campaign. And, um, uh, you know, Hugo, I was reading uh, this morning that the UK ranks 25th out of 30 European countries for bathing water quality, which is very disappointing. Um, but but uh, you've, you've, you've had this campaign going for a while, End, end Sewage, the End Sewage uh, campaign, could you say a bit about how you how you got into that campaign, how you started it, and um, and how it's going? Yeah, well, look, I think it's probably worth just sort of, as it were, going going back to to sewage pollution being sort of at the, the heart of the organisation since our inception in in 1990, um, which um, you know it was the the it's the namesake issue, um, and we started campaigning around that um, in, in that wave of sewage pollution that was hitting um, the coastline um, then, um, particularly affecting surfers and swimmers um, around um, the UK, um, and sort of enraging them, um, which led them to sort of take action from from the beachfront um, in, in in that period of time. And and uh, sewage pollution, like anything, sort of tends to, to sort of come in in waves, and we saw a big wave in the 1990s uh, which needed action after the privatization of the water industry there was quite a lot of investment there was really good european legislation that came in to help drive that and force water companies to act i mean there were good campaigners not just service against sewage but friends of the earth and other other groups and it was quite a sort of potent combination of of sort of photogenic sort of um, and quite sort of new um, sort of images of, of, of surfers um, uh, with you know gas masks and and surfboards and inflatable turds sort of campaigning on this this issue back then uh, surfing then was a real fringe sport um, wasn't sort of daily um, sort of news or, or, or content um, in any channels and so it really stood out 
um, and benefited from that that sort of rising tide of legislation and um, enforcement and regulation that that forced those newly privatised water companies to act. They they were obliged to make investments back then, um, and they were being closely monitored on it and scrutinised through sort of public campaigning. Um, we sort of fast forward 30 years, and we've evolved as a, an organisation and taken on many other issues. But sewage pollution, or the the the, the spectre of sewage pollution, has returned to our rivers and coastline, and the sort of behaviour of water companies has been really exposed. Um, borderline if not illegal um, behavior in dumping um, sewage in our rivers and coastline um, self-reporting that has led to a, um, a decline in river and sort of coastal health in places um, and uh, people re-exposed to um, the dangers of sewage pollution and this is this has come to a, a, a head over the last couple of years. We've never ceased campaigning on it, so we've consistently been calling for more data and information on sewage discharges, um, new health information on emerging threats like antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Um, we've had new partnerships and collaborations with other organisations, not just charities in the environmental sector, but sports. Um, sports organisations and national governing bodies, and and we've we've exposed alongside other other organisations this this great new wave of sewage pollution. Um, the 3.1 million hours that went into our rivers and coastline in 2020 alone. We're waiting for the 2021 numbers. The thousands of sewage pollution events that happen at our um, best loved beaches, those places that people bathe between the red and yellow flags, spend time with their families, um, surf, swim, um, do all sorts of things. Of course, we're more than just surfers here at at the organization. Um, And it's really that direct sort of visceral experience people have um, where they they um, are spending time in an environment they love, perhaps a holiday destination that is very close to their heart that um, they've been going to for a long time. Perhaps it's the beach in their local town or village that they love so much. And, um, and it outrages them when they see privatised water companies making a lot of money, um, meanwhile damaging the environment. Not only do we have our you know, bathing waters at the bottom of European league tables, despite the progress we made in the 1990s, they're still languishing in that, that, that lower end of the table. Um, if not the bottom of the table often. Um, But also um, our rivers are struggling. Just 14% meet good ecological status. Um, You know, they they sort of, you know, broadly from a rhetoric perspective have been been characterized as no-go zones. People shouldn't swim in them. You know, government and environment agency edicts are sort of like these, these should never be places people bathe which i think the french or the spanish would contradict they'd go you know they've got hundreds of designated bathing waters on their rivers they see them as a public amenity that's good for health and well-being they can support local economies where people go on holiday and uh, uh, and enjoy themselves and so um so yeah we've we've built a whole new sort of body of evidence and very pleased that through the environment bill process and through the, the the conversations now that we've brought it right back up to the top of public um consciousness and this is people well, this is people truly care yeah i mean well, i think you, you certainly you know came to my attention and which is why i contacted you it has gone right to the top of of both the media and the and the government agenda and you mentioned the environment bill um so you know you have this situation now where as you said um you know water companies are possibly breaking the law but certainly um you know uh, putting a lot of sewage into the into the rivers and the sea 
and that seems to be increasing, which is quite shocking. Uh, but did did the environment bill, and to what extent do you think you had a a sort of parliamentary or or, or legal success, uh, or would you see um, you know is your glass half empty, or is it half full of um, shitty water? If you excuse the, the yeah. language, um, yeah. yeah. How, like, how, yeah. How, how do you, how do you assess that? Uh, yes, yeah, so it's an interesting sort of uh, uh, sort of way to frame it. Um, I'd probably always prefer a glass half full of of shitty water. Although in terms of campaigning, uh, um, uh, a half empty, I mean. Um, yeah. But um, but what, what I what I um, sort of what I you know think around this is like with good campaigning, and we are talking about successful campaigning now. You know, you you, you know, we'll, and we'll talk more in, in, in over the course of this sort of interview. You know, you need to expose the sort of the, the, the truth and the facts on the ground about the, the issues that people care about and where they're exposed to. You also need to give them staging posts of of success um, too. And so, so just characterising, you know, or, or acknowledging, you know, the the, the environment build process as a you know an, just a failure would would be wrong because there are successes in it. And we're proud of having pushed, you know, since. And I'll talk about the evolution of our safer seas and river service. We're proud of the progress we've made on on the provision of information um, that's embedded now in the um, Environment Act um, on on sewage discharges. Um, that's good. Um, we're moving forward in terms of the the transparency and clarity we need to address the, this issue. Um, but there's more that we feel, um, you know, that there's more that we feel could have been done. So we we campaign very strongly um, with our communities around the country. And a lot of them were engaged with us um, through that and engaged with their local MPs through our Safer Seas and River Service, which is the only national real-time water quality information service giving real-time alerts on, you know, every time there's a combined sewer overflow spill at beaches. And that's great. It can help keep people safe. But even more importantly, every time there's a spill, they could send a pre-populated message with all of the latest stats to their local MP saying, basically, what the hell's going on? what actions being taken and what you're doing about it. And we had thousands and thousands of messages going to MPs um, and water company CEOs. And that really helped elevate the issue in, in yeah, Parliament. Yeah, I was so, going to ask you about that. Did, was that. How important was that specific tool? And did you what feedback did you get from MPs about yeah, ha, ha, how that sort of got their attention? Well, we got a lot of feedback, you know, from that. And, you know, my, our, anecdotally, the feedback is, you know, that, that, the, you know, that the level of pressure. And, of course, our Secretary of State at the moment is based in a, in, you know, not far from us in Cornwall um, and has, you know, coastal constituents. So, of course, every time a message about the, um, the spills in that area go to the Secretary of State, he, he would have seen those. Um, and, and, we, um, and we understand that that really did ele- help elevate the debate in, in um in Westminster about this alongside of course other great organizations but we've we've certainly been a driving force um, behind this and that that real-time data we access and we've campaigned for a long time to access that data from from water companies we we've done that since our pilot in I think sort of 2013 or so we piloted real-time information at one spot in Cornwall a place called Port Thowan very close to our office and that's grown into a, a service that, that covers over 375 locations nationwide. And, and you know, information is, is, is very powerful and good quality information is very powerful. Accurate information is very powerful. And so it's hard for them to contest it when they're getting, getting that information in, in, in beaches in their local, local area. 
Yeah. Um, so w- w- we we felt it was sort of central to our, you know, not not just engaging the public, but it also provided us with that that data to track and trace those those spills. Um, we also provide information on on sort of diffuse pollution from farming through that. But all of that information combines into our annual water quality report, which is a big media moment, which has helped us elevate the issue in the press too. The data of how many spills, which are the worst beaches, you know, what is the public health threat about, you know, from this? Uh, how does it compare to last year? All of that baseline data that allows us to support this um, this campaign and engage people with it. Yeah, and. It, just in terms of the uh, the way that they um, the MPs then sort of fed that into government. You mentioned obviously the local or a fairly local MP who's the Secretary of State. Um, you know, it, did you get evidence then that that then filtered through to the work on the Environment Bill? Um, were you able to sort of you know piggyback on that on that momentum and try and? Uh, make a noise in Parliament or, or with the Secretary of State. Did it? Did it? You know, was it? How how powerful was it? Well, absolutely. And we um, we had um, uh, you know my policy team here was working on the Environment Bill on those those amendments, and we were you know closely tracking and monitoring those. We were having conversations and um, with with various sort of MPs uh, uh, around it. Um, so so yeah it, it it contributed directly to that and i think you know a couple of key sort of moments you know there's a moment when the the amendment on sewage pollution was going to be voted sort of out completely um and the guidance from the secretary of state was to to, to um discount it as it were and there was a huge public outcry around that which surface against sewage helped drive because you know sewage pollution and the threat of sewage pollution was something that was a big brexit issue we've of course gone through that process um and there will be supporters and detractors of of that 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 decision um you know i don't necessarily think there's any evidence it's been good for the country yet um um and and I think the government misread the mood music of the public. It had been clearly, as, as many organisations had made, and, you know, Friends of the Earth, Greenpeace and others during the Brexit process, clearly illustrated as a potential threat of coming out of Europe that we would lose standards. And what sort of greater focal point than our beaches around the country potentially, um, you know, being being less clean than they had been previously mm. and so that's what the the optic the public saw it through and so i was surprised that the government didn't didn't act sooner and it took the campaigning of surface against sewage and and others um, we collaborate with many through our end sewage pollution coalition we um we uh i think we forced an immediate change there it was a it was a it was a, a, a big moment when the government had to U-turn and come up with new, a new approach to uh, to illustrating a, a, and bringing in amendments on on um, on sewage pollution. The, the the data, of course, and you know this this target on sort of progressive reduction in harm, which we would probably disagree with. I think people want to see an absolute reduction in 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 sewage pollution events rather than um, some sort of fudging of the words. But um, the government now believes that they've got what they sort of um, need to hold water companies to account. So there are some real successes there. But 
the proof is always in the pudding. I think the public are engaged, the genie is out of the bottle, the stats now are sort of obligatory, so we're going to see in March the, you know, the, the, the next sort of annual batch of stats of how many hours of sewage pollution, how many events went, you know, happened around the country. And, and, and the government's not going to be able to, to get around those until the industry has taken the action to, to, to as it were, to top off the bell curve um, and start to, to deliver a reduction in sewage pollution events. And some of the progress people want to see, bathing waters on rivers, um, bathing waters climbing the table sort of nationwide, um, less sewage pollution events, a water industry that's putting money into the environment rather than shareholder pockets, all of those things. It's a sort of an age-old story, you know. Um, people mm. are always angry about businesses making too much money at the expense of either um, the environment or public sort of health and well-being. Do, do you sort of like when you do your campaigning or you think about your sort of your political strategy and your campaign strategy, do you identify what you might call opponents or blockers or, or you know, and who, who would they who would they be? Presumably that includes the water companies. Yeah. And what, sure. what would you do to sort of neutralize their voice? Do you have a specific strategy to neutralize the opponents? Yeah, look, it's a it's a good question. Um, you know, I think it's. Um, I, I think that, that there's a there's a, always a mindfulness within within um, within um, our sector, and certainly from the experience I have, a sort of an, a bit of a, a, a long in the tooth old old geezer sort of working in the space. You know, like one of the things to to be careful of when you're campaigning is to feel the long arm of the establishment put itself around you and go, come in for a nice cup of tea and let's. Let's all be together on this one, and we mm. we don't need your 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 spiky exposés on this. What we need is to say that you know it's 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 all about collaboration, and we don't disagree. Collaboration is one part of it, but also it's very care. We've got to be very careful. People in the space will you know water companies will throw money at some of the campaign groups and say, look, can you, can we can we just frame this as an individual responsibility thing? It's just about people flushing wet wipes down the toilet. Um, you know the 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 some of the sort of um, some of the other in, in, establishment players will invite um, invite you round the table, make you feel special with a bit of status, uh, make you feel special with some funding for for projects that you know diffuse the diffuse the criticism. Um, the government might enter into consultations that are protracted and maybe mm. maybe I, I dare say designed to to uh, to skirt the moment of public concern and and move the agenda forward um, without necessarily always taking the action and we've seen examples of that within the plastic campaigning we do where where you know government makes sort of commitments and creates consultations which then you know still aren't delivered you know four five six years later you know so so there's lots of things we're mindful of within the space of the tactics of, of both sides um, so there are blockers um, there's also that you know the, there is sort of technical blockers in terms of you know the some of the stats and figures are put out there um, of, of, you know, how much it will cost and the fear-mongering. You know, we've saw statistics of, you know, people saying it was going to cost $600 billion to solve this issue, which, you know, aren't numbers anyone else recognised within the space. You know, the fear that it's going to go and be the sort of bill payers who have to shoulder the, the responsibility for any changes. Um, and we think it's very important within campaigning to remain focused on what you're 
good at. And what we're good at is telling the story on the coastline of what people are truly experiencing, um, of, of reporting the stats as they are impacting the areas that people love, whether that's you know, the tidelines of plastic pollution we see or whether that's the sewage pollution that's going out into beaches. You know, I might surf out with my son and, you know, on the south coast of, of, of Cornwall at Pentuan or at Gudrivi on the north coast or any of these spots that could be hit by sewage pollution and, and how much that frustrates people, how much we need to keep saying that there's an issue because, you know, often I think the establishment wants, you know, to, to diffuse public attention on these things and, and move on and, you know, we're seeing that politically at the moment on the sort of, on the party gate stuff. It's like, let's, let's try and get round it and 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 actually um on sewage pollution we we think that you know the the industry has got away with it for too long we're very pleased that there's all of this pressure we've contributed to that i genuinely think we can see a, a decade of sort of ambition and change for our coastal bathing waters and for our rivers um, and let's not forget, it's all one ecosystem. You know, our rivers are super highways of these pollutants down to some of our best bathing waters. Mm-hmm. Our citizen science, which is another important part of what we do, showed that out of the rivers we tested last year that connect to some of our bathing waters, 75% posed a serious and continuous threat to, to human health. So so for us, you know, it's one sort of water system. It's not river or coastal. It's the, the, the collective sort of system. Um, and um and we think it's important to keep keep being good at at what you're good at within the space so just to i digress from the point but there's people who are very sort of policy focused and 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 work on that front in the charity sector there's the industry which is complex um and you know the water industry which needs to come up with the solutions and there are campaigners which need to keep on pointing out the problem with legitimate information and facts about what's happening to the spaces that we love um and that's you know that's the a, a thing that that happens in all, on all sorts of issues, whether it's overfishing, whether it's sewage pollution, plastic pollution, air pollution. And we people need to keep challenging um, for the industry and the systems around us to reform because the age-old tactic, again, to come back to it from industry, and we hear it time and time again, you know, um, is that it's the individual's fault. If individuals don't do this, if individuals don't do that, if people individually change their behavior, mm. this will be solved. But, you know, that, that's not the way we're going to change the system that, that we have. Um, and that's, you know, that's why we've, you know, on, with the bigger changes in society, we see it actually being sort of driven by legislation um, and sort of bans and, and quite mm. big things. So let's take, you know, some obvious examples of like smoking, for example. You know, if it wasn't for legislation banning and forcing industry to change, a lot more people would still smoke. You know, I'm old enough to remember people smoking in pubs and pubs mm. being, you know, smoking. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't public information campaigns that did that and individual behavior change. It was legislation that said, yeah. absolutely not. And now, you know, you can't even, you know, you can't, you know, have to buy packs of fags from behind a closed shutter that are in brown packets and people skulk on corners smoking. You know, it wasn't like that when I was young. You know, everyone was smoking, you know, Marlboro Lights around a table down the boozer. Yeah. That's, what, that's what happened. And, you know, same on the, you know, people will often refer back to the seatbelt campaign. Yes. Um, you know, when, uh, and they go, oh, it was a great bit of like, ca- like um, great advertising campaign, you know, the, the clunk click campaign or whatever mm. it was. You know, it did that. It's like, no, 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 no. It was legislation with an advertising 
advertising campaign behind it. It's like it's a legal requirement to wear your seatbelt. Like you yes. can't get around that. And so don't let's not pretend this is some like clever advertising agency that's changed all public behaviour. You know, it's it's because you have to do it. You know, yeah. so so like these big changes is the same with you know if we look at it from an emissions perspective, you know, the car, the the the, the motor industry, the automobile industry has to reduce the emissions from their their engines and now they've got the target to you know phase out all combustion engines by whatever 20 20 or diesel engines by 2030 um and that's there's these legal requirements and targets you know and that's that's what we've got to see because i think with industry these voluntary measures and the ability to keep deferring to the you know the public yes. individual responsibility is a, a hindrance on this that's one of the biggest blocks um mm. you know we we see it on sewage pollution with these endless think before you flush campaigns i mean you know it, that's it's not going to change it's not going to change right. the system it's not going to stop people you know putting wet wipes in toilets generally you know just ban yeah. wet wipes if we need to do that i mean i'm sure people can survive with flannels i mean we've gone through two yeah. years of the pandemic where we where we we've accepted things we never dreamt we would accept you know mm-hmm. we we haven't been able to see our family we haven't been able to come to work we haven't been able to get together for a drink apart from if you live in downing street all of these things that we've just had to suck up and so i think there's changes that that, that the government can often be scared to 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 put forward but look if people ban wet wipes tomorrow the the world will carry on and it'll be fine so if we really need to take action on that let's go for the jugular you know, and this this is sorry to stick on the point, but I do think this is important. The, this individual sort of assignment of blame, and we take it right back to things. You know, let's let's look at the plastic sort of thing. You know, in you know when single-use plastics sort of really took hold, how many decades ago? You know, the, the the drinks industry in the states came up with the 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 I think the crying Indian campaign. It was called. It was a, a campaign that that you know showed. Um, you know, a, a Native American Indian um, and, you know, p- plastic pollution everywhere. And it, 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 the strap line was something along the lines of, you know, p- you know pollution, pollution starts with, with, with people and it ends with people. And it was about tr- mm. transporting that blame across to individuals um, as the industry shifted to a single-use mentality with no actual plan of how to control mm. and contain that pollutant. And so, you know, we just, we just need to keep, keep mobilizing people. And I think, you know, the public mobilization will be so important in this decade to keep calling out industry to keep pushing for change Um, and i think we're in a we're in a decade just to finish on that point we're in a decade that's quite similar to where we started um in the 1990s which was a decade of um you know public uprising on the poll tax public uprising on you know on sort of you know new roads being built we had swampy burying himself in the ground and chaining himself to trees we had people being sort of outraged by um economic social and environmental injustice and these sort of movements starting and the and, and great change came in with that um you know driven by good strong legislation coming in from europe often on the environmental front you know we fast forward to now we're seeing the environmental movement really um you know campaigning hard the the climate movement people rising up with on water quality with swim groups around the country and community groups like SOS Whitstable you know really making a noise about um you know industry behavior so we're seeing a similar sort of you know texture now um and the government's wanted to try and quash that a bit we've seen the police bill this week luckily the lords has voted lots of that down and sent it back to the house of commons and you know that you know people have wanted to limit um 
the you know protests and campaigners and people in in Westminster and actually I think we, we we need it more than ever sort of this radical campaigning pointing out the radical truth and calling for you know a radical restructuring of of, of how we're operating on this planet because without a, a sustainable system around us individual behavior alone is 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 not gonna it's not gonna save save any part of the environment Thanks, Hugo. We're going to take a short break there, and uh, we'll be back in a moment um, with Hugo Tackham. We're back with Hugo Tagholm, and we're talking about the um, the end sewage campaign. And Hugo, I want to ask you. And you were talking before the break about um, I think you, you know the long arm of the establishment being put around you and trying to cuddle you close to stop you speaking out. I was wondering how much do you think the fact that you and your colleagues and your supporters as well are sort of uh, users of the service as it were of water uh, and therefore you you're directly connected with the problem uh, and and therefore it's perhaps it's more difficult to co-opt you than it might be if you like a sort of more sort of a high level professional not that you're unprofessional but do you know what i mean someone who isn't connected directly to an issue yeah look i think i think maybe that's where where sometimes you know our model can confound people um, you know the establishment because we've got one foot firmly planted on on the beach um, and we've got another foot you know planted in Westminster and they know um, they know that we you know operate really professionally um, they know that we've got an incredible organization with with you know millions of supporters behind it really um, um, and we've got a very agile model that can pivot between those sort of two spaces um, and so, so we're, we're we're a bit of a probably a, a thorn in the side of some of them because normally they're like sort of one or the other. You can characterise the, the 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 just the sort of campaigny side and 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 sort of isolate it, or you can you can work with the sort of policy side, the establishment side, and and, and sort of isolate it. But if there's a if there's a, a sort of interface between the two, I think it is more disconcerting for the 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 establishment and the powers that be. Um, and and, uh, and I think that's a strength, and it does come, you know, from from an authenticity. You know, I think we're one of the few um, charities working in this space that overlooks the, the ocean that we we care about. Um, I'm just sat here in our office in in Cornwall at, at Wheel Kitty in St Agnes. We overlook the sea. It's a beautiful sunny day. There's good waves. Hopefully, I'll surf on the way home. And that's a real motivator. That. Um, you know that um, connection with the ocean and we do you know we do see the issues firsthand last summer I you know I swam through sewage slicks at times I I surfed um, you know in rivers that clearly had sewage coming out of them um, sort of inadvertently um, and then sort of retrospectively checked on the sort of the warnings Um, and so um, so you know I think I think those direct motivations have have always been one of the most powerful parts of Surfers Against Sewage um, and uh, and keeping our campaigns pretty pretty different and authentic Um, other organizations do work on the same issues as us but i think we have a a, a different Mm. sort of 
different tone um and i've been i've been passionate about keeping that true to our sort of roots as a as a surfer water lover probably first and foremost an environmentalist um but but this place this organization this charity encompasses lots of things for me it's not just about the environment it's about people it's about people power it's about fairness um it's about you know trying to create um a, a better world for everyone um and um and doing that with with sort of um sort of transparency and integrity on the um on the the, the issues we work on so yeah we're, we're we're a bit of a conundrum to some people i think um on that you know we have um you know we've got a royal patron and and we're also radical campaigners not that our patron necessarily you know isn't you know he's been speaking about these issues for a for a long time and so i think you know again it shows the sort of breadth of how we sort of operate and sort of some of the contradictions people might feel with us yeah i mean what what um, perhaps has brought us to this this point and also the um you know p- perhaps uh, the bill that, that that did pass through parliament plus also i think a private members bill was in part you know your efforts to get this issue out there in the media um now it was uh, sort of at some points last year it just seemed as though um the issue was 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 up there with you know almost with covid and 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 other big political issues um so how did you manage to get it sort of so front and center do you think what what, and could you identify a particular thing that you did or you and your your the other organizations did or a particular moment in time which catapulted it into such a sort of high point mm-hmm. yeah like i could i like i would also probably draw the, the sort of the attention to the fact that i think that that sort of when you sort of retrofit um you know those sort of moments in a campaign journey it's sort of quite easy to go that there was a catalytic sort of point mm. um you know and, and it definitely has happened on on a number of our our, our issues and our, our definitely there are specific moments on this but they're always built on sort of the, the hard yards, the, the grinding out sort of year on year and being really committed to the issue, really focusing on the information, innovating um, and, and, and not giving up. And I think that's a big part of camp- campaigning, you know, being tenacious, being focused, um, yes. sort of, you know, not, not letting go of something and not accepting sort of being battered away. You're going to get battered away all the time, you know, initially by the media as they're not interested in the story, um, by the establishment, by politicians as it's not, you know, a big enough thing for them to worry about with their constituents. You know, it's not got the, the, the profile of it yet uh, and you've got to keep, keep working in it. So there's a lot of sort of thankless times within campaigning and, you know, five or six years ago when this issue was still you know it was of course a big issue five or six years ago but people didn't know about it we were we were campaigning on it and you know we we were getting less traction but um for me for me the sort of big moments did there were there were big moments around this sort of environment you know bill um there was a big moment when those amendments uh the, the recommendation from the secretary of state on the amendment around sewage pollution was was for for um for um for MPs not to support it, and that that showed that showed um, that enraged the public. You know, it, mm. it just really it was just such a crystal clear moment, and I think it triggered a really big wave of social media outrage. And social media has been sort of a big part of this too. You know, um, the sort of the 
the the the the, the Twitter sort of channels, um, particularly um, connecting, you know, a wide range of stakeholders, and we've seen new people sort of, you know, come into the debate. Fergal Sharkey's been, you know, in, incredible in his, you know, relentless sort of. Um, pursuit on this issue um you know deborah mead and gary lineker um you know sports people um you know celebrities uh, campaigners on the ground groups like sos whitstable so we saw a sort of critical mass building up and that was a trigger point that then catapulted it into you know a, a, a sort of a, a, a wider you know public concern um it had built up from uh, we had done quite a lot of work with philip dunn on the um, private members bill on the inland um uh, sewage sort of bill um, which had hundreds of me- members of parliament support it mm. so that was sort of an inside sort of tactic um, and that, 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 that elevated the profile again within Westminster so there's lots of sort of trigger points um, but publicly I think that's been one of the most important things and it, it, it shines a lot on how I think particularly how important um, you know um, the public perception is to, to, to MPs in terms of their constituency. You know, if they lose that favour, if there's an incendiary issue like this, um, and, and we do believe, you know, sewage pollution will be, you know, come back at the next general election as an issue that mm. people will be talking about, particularly in coastal regions. You know, um, I, I think there was a sudden realisation that, that there was a there was a, a really big issue and the government needed to change. And we saw them redrafting and coming back and suddenly, you know, bringing people together to, to come up with a response to the public anger. And that, 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 that is often what, 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 um, what governments will respond to, public anger. Yeah. What, is, what yeah. are they the most angry about and where do we need to act to stay in power? I mean, it, it, in very sort of blunt terms, that's what they, they try and do. So they, they respond to things not only that, that need to happen, but also... Um, need to happen from a sort of um, you know from a public anger point of view because of course there are other yeah. issues that should have more more action on them but the public aren't yet angry or aren't yet engaged with them so the government doesn't necessarily act on them but we've managed with this to 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 to, to grow that engagement so we we saw that 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 you know that pivotal moment and it was the same you know not you know not to sort of you know cross cut too much but it was the same on sort of plastic pollution something we had talked about for years and years and mobilized thousands of beach cleaners and then in you know 2016 we we were really building up our campaigns on it but 2017 uh, and sorry there was a couple of pivotal moments on it there was some big storms storm hercules in 2013-14 beginning of 2014 that dumped loads of plastic pollution on beaches in the southwest and around the country which suddenly engaged the public on it in a bigger way than ever it was like the most shocking scenes we'd ever seen in terms of plastic pollution and then the blue planet effects you know out of seven hours of broadcasting and and everyone assumes the blue planet was about plastic only I think 14 minutes was about plastic pollution mm. so what a powerful 14 minutes that suddenly catapulted government into needing yes. to act but there was all of the background work the legwork that had happened the beach cleaners the evidence the reports people had published the work they had done on individual things like plastic bags but it was that moment that 14 minutes that propelled people you know propelled sort of public action and the public perception of it so it's always pivotal moments but they're always they were always grown on a foundation of the sort of hard yards and, and the sort of tireless campaigning. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you talk about that, that sort of building up to perhaps a bit of a crescendo last year. And then then you, you've had the, the Environment Act that's mm-hmm. gone through Parliament in the UK. Sorry, we should say that quite a lot of our listeners are, are not from the UK. So, so yeah. um, but that's... that's um, 
It's diff- is it difficult then to sort of pick yourself up after such a big heave and and get going for the next? How do you keep the momentum going into the future? You know, once you've got at least some of what you wanted, um, and how do you sort of go again f- for the next for the next phase? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think my job always, uh, you know, like leading this organisation, this charity, is is to have that that longer term sort of vision to to make sure people can 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 feel lifted and can can maintain momentum. Um, campaigns come in waves too, just as I talked about the waves of sewage pollution, and you need to accept there's going to be peaks and troughs, and it's not always going to be, you know, a, 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 um, you know. 10 in volume or 11 in volume it's always going to be um you know you know peaks and troughs um so you know we of course horizon can and we do a you know a big planning process with the team we look at those political moments we look at public engagement moments we collect more data so we have both internal and external moments we would we would drive with this and the government has to present its plan on to tackle sewage pollution in in, in um, September this year so we'll be working towards that so that will be another sort of you know key moment for public engagement um, we're going to see in March the the new results released on sewage pollution events in 2021 so there's there's moments we 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 link to um, there's things like the launch of our safer seas and river service which will happen again in the springtime or the relaunch of it is still going but it's a moment for public profile we'll we'll also see we're going to be launching a new um new piece of work um calling for more river bathing waters over the next few years which will, will, will respond to the public demand and need for action we're going to be doing actions as well outside water company hqs at some stage so there's lots of different tactics that we build into it some that we're fully in control of because they're our own projects some that we're responding to because there's an external moment um, and we, 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 we fuse those two things together as we would on any a, any campaigns but yeah you know you you got to keep you got to keep sort of optimistic with with campaigning you got to keep motivated it can be sort of harder hard at times particularly if you don't get the results uh, my job is to to keep a bit of that that optimism in in the um, in the uh, in the team always or a lot of it you know i'm an optimistic person as a campaigner you know i think you know you've got to you've got to combine the sort of the doom and gloom that's out there and the challenge with some some optimism about the 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 still amazing planet that we live on and the the opportunity to you know save and restore environments to protect you know people in a bigger way to create a more equitable society and you know that's all about sort of radical hope and sort of more radical truth around it and and being able to to uh, not be sort of you know yeah i suppose not be too pe- not be pessimistic and not be sort of absolute that either we win or we fail you know we win or we lose you know truthfully it's never that binary we we make progress we we lose some ground we gain some more ground we you know we we have some wins we have some losses but you just got to keep fighting well, Hugo, it's been a pleasure to hear about the campaign and, and your work at Surface Against Sewage. Um, but, and thank you so much for your time. And I hope, you know, I hope you do continue um, to be successful because I think it, a lot of us who like to go to the seaside and, and, and paddle around in the water, you know, um, we, we sort of rely on people like you to to, to make it um, um, safer and more pleasant. So, uh, so thanks a lot for your time. Well, look, thank you for your time and, um, yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. 
Right, great. Thanks. Thanks, Hugo. 